You're listening to the Co-Main Event Podcast. And now your hosts, Ben Folks and Chad Dunnett. That's right. You're listening to another episode of the Co-Main Event Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chad Dundas from ESPN.com. And joining us, as always, your friend and mine, the other co-host of the show from USA Today and MMAJunkie.com, it's Ben Folks. Uh, ben, we've got Sir Nigel here with us. Sir Nigel, I see you've, uh, you've brought your bell. Indeed I have, sir. It gives me great authority. Uh, well... We gotta explain this. Yeah, so this week, as I'm sure all of our listeners know, is the week that we uh, are going to do the co-main event podcast drinking game, unofficial. And we've got Sir Nigel here with us to function as a moderator during this week's show. He'll be with us for the whole hour. Oh, boy. I, th- I think only the second time we've ever done that, because the first time would have been the uh, book club Oh, episode. who could forget the book club? You loved it, sirs. And so the way this is going to work is that first we're going to have Sir Nigel read all of the rules to the co-main event podcast drinking game. Or as I like unofficial, to call it, unofficial drinking game. the 18-point program to destroy America. And uh, he's got his bell with him. And throughout the show, if uh, Ben and or I uh, violate a rule or elicit a rule or meet the standard for a rule, yeah, I guess I, you would say. Let's make it a positive thing. Yeah. We're, we're meeting the rules. We meet the standard for the rule. That's about as positive as it gets around here. Uh, Sir Nigel will ring his bell. Although the bell does not work quite so reliably yeah. as one would hope. There it is. Uh, so you hear that bell. That means you owe us at least one drink. Um, with the exception, I believe we decided that uh, a special one, uh, and we'll get to the full rules in a second, but there is one special one in there uh, where you're required to finish whatever is left of the current drink that you have. Um, Let's hope that that doesn't happen. So be careful on that one. Also, I want it noted, before we get into the whole thing, uh, that... We're recording this at Chad's house at 3 o'clock on a Monday afternoon, so it gives you a little idea what our lives are like. Uh, I rode my bike here because responsibility. That's why. Because I know a lot of people out there are going to say, co-main event podcast, setting the bad example for the kids out there, which, you know, for the most part, true. Yeah, absolutely true. True on its face. Uh, but in this one instance, I'm displaying responsible behavior, setting a good example, uh, so that that way, if I get too inebriated during the podcast, the only person who will be hurt by it when I go home is me. We hope. All right, let's read the rules. Sir Nigel, whenever you're ready, why don't you uh, get started with the rules? <clears throat> yes, the rules of the co-main event podcast unofficial drinking contest, which you are probably... Contest? Contest. It's a drinking whoa, contest. Whoa, 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 no, this is not a contest. <laughs> oh, yes, it is, sir. <laughs> A little, bit of, a, little bit of a reaction delay on the bell. <clears throat> Rule the first. Drink if Ben or Chad mentions TRT, testosterone, PEDs, marijuana, or drug testing. Wow. Rule the first. That hasn't happened yet. No, somehow. Uh, rule the second. Drink if Ben says, here's the thing. Do I really say that that often? I yes. don't know. We should say that these uh, these rules were listener-generated. Entirely so listener Basically, generated. we used the ones that came up the most often that people sent us, and the ones that were the best. So You always know where the thing is. <laughs> <clears throat> Three, drink if Chad says, yeah, no. 
Mm. (laughs) Four, drink each time either co-host swears. Oh, come on. Here's where I should point out that you should probably be drinking beer in this game. (laughs) That was an accidental ring. Uh, Five, drink if Ben or Chad mentions their wives. Their many wives. What about if I mention Chad's wife? Does that still count? I believe Ben or Chad, who has just mentioned, Ben has just mentioned Chad's wife. So yes, that does count. And I have just mentioned Chad's wife, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> <clears throat> Chad's wife. Uh, what about six. if I mention Chad's mother? There's no, no rule for that. There's no rule for that. Number seven. Drink each time Ben mentions something he's written or someone he's interviewed. I'm sure we won't run across that problem. Oh, oh no, sorry. I was wrong. Drink every time Sir Nigel lies is not a rule. <clears throat> Hilarious. Yes, I set you up. Uh, number eight, drink if Chad refers to something Ben's written as a lifestyle piece. Yeah. It's an insult. That's going to happen. That's going to I'm gonna happen. I'm going to tell you right now that is going to happen. Uh, number nine, drink when Ben says listener mail in his creepy voice. Well, that one's pretty much guaranteed to happen. That will also happen. Oh, yes. <clears throat> number ten, drink each time Ben or Chad references Montana. May or may not happen. Likely to happen. Uh, number 11, each time Ben or Chad gets a Master Tweet Theater guest wrong, drink. Uh-oh. Now's the time to go to the fridge and maybe get a backup beer. <laughs> hmm. Number 12, each time Ben or Chad gets a Master Tweet Theater guest right, finish your drink. Ooh. Experts only. So we're hoping that that doesn't get called into play here today. Please yeah. note, this rule is only for expert drinkers. Children, just drink normally, following the other <laughs> rules of the game, but skip rule number 12. Rule number 13, drink each time Sir Nigel says, sir. That's one right there. Yep. Sir. That's, that's two. God, the power. I'm drunk on power. Whereas you two will simply be drunk on alcohol. Number 14, drink if either guy does an impression or says something in a voice other than their own. Does Michael Bisping impression count? Please don't do your god-awful Michael Bisping impression. Don't tell me what to do. Number 15. Drink every time Chad mispronounces someone's name or talks about mispronouncing someone's name. I Hmm. do mispronounce people's names a lot. Frequently. Um, What was that? Whom were you mispronouncing? I was talking about it. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, hmm. Well, this is already difficult. I should read the rules more carefully. Number 16. And the rules will be posted on the website, by the way, so you can... Or you can just listen to the They already are. They're already there. Wow. Number 16. Drink upon any mention of the poet Philip Baroni or Tank Abbott. Number 17. Drink when Chad mentions how to contact the music provider from this week's show. (laughs) I just rang it. It's, it's very fun. Uh, and number 18, between rounds, drink. <laughs> All right. Well, those are the rules for the co-main event drinking game. If you uh, are into tracking them, go to the website and check out the post that has the list there. If not, just sit back and listen for the sound of the bell, which I'm sure will not get old at all. Never. All right, well, as usual, the co-main event podcast comes to you in three rounds this week. In round number one, Fabricio Verdum pretty much rolled over Roddy Nog this weekend at another UFC on Fuel event in Brazil, which featured a lot of sound and fury signifying, well, what exactly? And in round number two, it's former UFC fighters gone wild. And in round number three, it's UFC 161 in the peg this weekend. So, Canada, pretty stoked, eh? What's that about? Yeah. All right, hold on. (laughs) 
all that plus are you fucking kidding me and just saying stuff but like we always do about this time it's listener mail listener mail extremely creepy oh the first piece of listener mail this week comes to us from kevin mills he writes you know the whole what to call ufc events on fox sports one problem i do know that problem yeah i went ahead and solved it Instead of numbering each event according to the channel, why not number the events in continuation of the pay-per-views? For example, UFC on Fox 8 would be UFC 163 on Fox, then UFC 164 on pay-per-view, then it would be UFC 165 on Fox Sports 1. If people get confused about which channel, they can just ask the Google, or if they're lazy, they can tweet and ask you guys. No, don't do that. What do you think? You know what? I actually think that this is, while not a perfect idea or even... A good idea. It's the best idea I've heard so far of how to handle this enormous crippling problem that has beset the industry <laughs> that we are just unsure of how we will ever uh, overcome. I actually agree. I, I mean, it's not a perfect, flawless solution. Everybody's acknowledging that. It's better than the current Fox Sports 1-1, Fox Sports 1-2 situation. It's better than all the people suggesting Roman numerals or whatever. Whoa, whoa. Dewey Decimal System, though, remains the elegantly perfect solution yeah. for this problem. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, I think this is the best solution I've heard. Also, seems like it has no chance of actually being implemented. Right. Uh, and I don't, or is he suggesting that the UFC it would say, like, Part of the title would be like UFC 165 on pay-per-view. Yeah, that seems to be. Or, well, UFC 164 on Fox and then UFC 165. I don't know if you would have to include it as part of the official title, but. Yeah. I, don't, I still think this is the best idea I've heard yet. I, I don't think this. The UFC seems to be going with the, uh, hey, we never said that we were going to number these events on cable TV anyway. You guys are the ones doing that. And it's like, well, it's, it happens. It's going to happen. We have to have some way to keep them all straight. It can't just be the UFC on Fox Sports 1 over and over again. We have to have some way to talk about this shit. Uh, damn it. Oh, oh my. <sighs> the punishment for profanity is drunkenness. That yeah, sounds about right. I think you're right, though. It, it does seem like it's not something the UFC would do. It seems like they have, for whatever reason... Uh, sort of fixated on this idea that they're only going to number the, uh, well, they're only going to do like a continuation numbering system for the major, major pay-per-views. Um, even though I think that, uh, Kevin Mills came up with a pretty good solution. Yeah. I will say and that's I, why he got on the podcast. Good work, Kevin. Uh, the second question this week comes to us from Brad White. Uh, so far two names that would be almost impossible for me to pronounce. mispronounce. <laughs> yeah. Good work. Maybe the selection process helped you out here. Last week in the listener mail, insert grindy listener mail voice here. Listener mail. Ugh. You answered a question about how to experience a UFC event. You mentioned that if you find the hotel the fighters are staying at, if you stay up late enough, you'll, quote, see some pretty weird shit. Please provide the best pretty weird shit that you've seen, and if appropriate, be as specific as possible. Now, this if appropriate, is, what would be inappropriate for this show? Well, I think he just means whether or not we, we want who we want to put on blast or not. Okay. Um, this got me thinking, and actually probably the weirdest live fight or live big-time professional fight uh, experience or atmosphere that I've been is when you were working for the IFL. and uh, Does that count, previous employers? I guess it does. Depends yeah. on your interpretation of the rule. But uh, uh, when you were working for the IFL and uh, – 
you invited us to the event, uh, me and a couple of friends to the event in, uh, where was it? It was outside Seattle, I think, right? Yeah, in uh, Everett. Everett, Everett, Washington. Washington. And and we went there, and uh, you and our friend Jason ended up spending most of the night <laughs> drinking in, in, in a room with Boss Rudin was there and Chris Hordecki. I don't know if you want... Counts as an interview. If you if you want to tell the and story, he, he mispronounced uh, it's Horodesky. Horodesky. I don't know if you want to uh, uh, tell the story of of the, the weird dude who acro- accosted Chris Horodesky at like f- four in the morning. Yeah. Or well, first like of all, I should mention that uh, it almost feels unfair to talk about back when I worked for the IFL because. You'd see. Um, I'm, I'm just so you know. I'm catching up on my drinks while you're talking. Okay, so I should have plenty of opportunity yeah. to just get uh, blotto. It that was a great opportunity to see some weird shit because uh, the I it wasn't love this. it wasn't like there's any like media hanging around in those situations. Uh, it was all just like IFL people, and usually the IFL would go to weird places like like Everett ne- Washington, like Everett Washington, uh, or Moline. Or, you know, like just a bunch of weird places that like that was kind of the IFL's thing, that they would go to like the cities either where the teams were based or to cities where other fight promotions didn't go. And so then after the event was over, it wasn't like anybody knew anywhere to go. It was just go back to the hotel bar and get plastered until the hotel bar closes and kicks you all out, which happened every single time. And uh, that one I do remember... Because things got a little crazy there, and next thing I know, I'm in this hotel room with our friend McMacken and Boss Rutten, and this dude starts talking about this time he was on a roof, like working a roofing job, and he fell off of it, and when he fell off the roof, he landed and did a full push-up, like just landed right on his hands, like right on his face, and didn't just did a push-up and was fine. That's uh, not a true story. No, and everybody, it was one of those like you know it's like four a.m. and everybody's drunk, and so it was like okay, we're all going to let this dude tell a story, and nobody's going to be a jerk about it. Um, but then he, he, I think he sensed that nobody was buying it, and so then he kept taking a step further, talking about how strong he was and how no one could break his grip, and he held out his two hands clenched together to Chris Ordesky to say in the gable grip. You're yeah. right now. You're demonstrating. Yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. It was basically a gable grip, uh, and it was just like. See if you can pull my hands apart, dude. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> and Hordesky, who isn't, wasn't even old enough to drink in the U.S. at that point, but wasn't he sitting on the couch watching like some TV show? Wasn't he watching like uh, Jeopardy or like some the rerun of some weird TV show? Was on? when actually when we came in the room. Okay, that's a different part of the story because when we got kicked out of the hotel bar, and I think it was me and Boss Rutten and Matt McMacken and Benji Raddick mm-hmm. and. Uh, Boss was like, it's okay, we'll go to Chris's room. And everybody was like, okay, I guess we're doing that. <laughs> oh. oh, the voice. The I voice. It. it sounded so much like Boss Rutten. I simply <laughs> thought he had wandered in. Uh, but when we walked in, Chris was clearly not expecting a party to come rolling into his room and was not into it. Yeah, and he was sitting there like watching Jeopardy or like old Seinfelds or something on TV <laughs> and was just kind of trying to have a chill night, like hanging out in bed. But we ended up in his room for hours. Um, but yeah, that dude just held out his hands, I remember, and was like, break my grip, dude, you can't. And Kordeski just looked at him like, I just, no. I can't. I can't do this right now. Uh, did not. Well, and Hordesky had fought that night, yeah. right, and lost. And that was the one where he got kicked in the face by Matt Horwich, right? Or did that happen? Did I confuse him with somebody weight else? Classes. Completely different weight. Completely different weight. Benji classes. Raddick is the one who got kicked. Oh, in right, by, right, right, right. By, by Horwich. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, and and 
So that's, I, I think, maybe some of the weirdest stuff. But there's plenty of weird stuff. You yeah, the weird stuff. stuff will happen all the time. Uh, I remember at one of the very first UFC events I went to when they were still having official after parties, which I don't know like if the UFC sponsors after parties anymore, but they would have like the, the event after party would be at the joint at the Hard Rock. Uh, and, and I stayed until one of those was over. And two uh, really, really well-known f- known fighters left when I was leaving with women that I'm pretty sure were prostitutes. Like they, what's in Vegas? How do you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, they both the women looked like a little bit too old and a little bit too haggard to be like there of their own volition, like picking up young professional fighters. It seemed like maybe there was a financial uh, situation, like a transaction well, that occurred. Is, this is speculation. Yeah, that's what? Part. Slut shaming, Chad. But it was. Don't you slut shame them? It was. It was weird. I was also present in the bar when. Uh, uh, a television personality was super wasted and trying to give a UFC fighter tips on his uh, his on-screen demeanor, which uh, I guess sort of amounted to the television guy yelling in the fighter's face about it. <laughs> and the fighter, if I recall the story, was actually pretty gracious about it, was yeah, he, he not? Yeah, he handled it well. Anyway, let's do the last question. Uh, this The last question this week comes from Tyler Triple, who writes, Did either of you get the chance to watch Metamore... Meta Morris. Not a name. No. Lucky you guys. Is that Meta Morris? Meta Morris yeah. 2. I'm pretty dedicated. I'm a pretty dedicated MMA fan, but rarely do I venture off and watch a jujitsu matches. However, a rainy, boring night in Lancaster, PA, and the familiar names on the card led me to watch it. If you had happened to catch it, what were your overall impressions? And do you think the pure jujitsu cards like this one will continue for a while? The idea of one 20 minute round seems cool. And it was really talked up to be full of submissions and finishes. However, after two draws and three decisions, we were left with only one submission by Cron Gracie. Uh, I didn't watch it. Never would watch it. Ooh. Don't really understand why here in the mixed martial arts industry, we have now suddenly branched off into covering other sports uh, like as if we didn't have enough fucking shit to do uh, on our own. But no, I, I, I tuned, tuned into Twitter for a little while last night and, and realized that uh, as bad as it is during an MMA event when you have to listen or watch, I guess, uh, all of your favorite MMA journalists tweet every happening in triplicate, uh, <laughs> it was happening during this jujitsu thing. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? And I had to turn off the Twitter machine because oh no, I became enraged. You know, sometimes if you turn it off, it's it, you can't get it up again. It, it just doesn't start. Is that true? No, okay. no it only gets stronger when you turn it off. <laughs> uh, you know, I I think knew about it more and heard more about it because of the dudes I do jujitsu with who were way into Metamoris. A bunch of them got together uh, last night and watched Metamoris. Uh, and I went to jujitsu earlier that day, and they were all like, "Hey, are, we, are you coming over to watch Metamoris?" Uh, uh, that is kind of a voice, uh, but uh, I had to help care for a child, so you know it was kind of between doing jujitsu that day or going and watching jujitsu. But they were all way more into that than they were, uh, for example, into the UFC on Fuel event that happened for free on cable TV the night before. Well, that makes sense. So jujitsu dudes are super. Well, into yeah, this. and that makes sense because those dudes are jujitsu dudes. Yeah. For the MMA people to suddenly act like Meta Morris too is a thing we should care about would be like if the dudes on Baseball Tonight did a whole show about cricket. You know, where was, they were like, any one of these cricket stars could be a major force in yeah. MLB next year. Well, but I mean, what if, uh, you know. <laughs> 
what if a uh, a baseball star, uh, you know, what if Derek Jeter went and did some cricket? Like then maybe some of the major league baseball sites would cover it. Uh, I see what you're saying. Though. I, I, mean, you know, I, I think I mean, it is but a fuzzy that actually line. kind of does happen though because you have dudes uh, who come to this country to play baseball from other countries, like guys who come from the Lat- from Latin America, oftentimes do go back down during baseball off season and like. Uh, you know, participate in, in like su- summer leagues or whatever, either for practice or to like, I don't know, earn a little extra bit of change. So, and you, and you don't see coverage of that. And you don't see, even though like, a, a, you know, a number of current MLB stars have come here from the Cuban league, we still don't cover that. Like, that's a thing. No, nobody's like covering Cuban baseball. Well, yeah. And it's, I wonder, uh, cause it, I, I think it's an interesting question on the media side of things because it's like, why are we covering this? And for the record, MMA Junkie, we didn't really do anything for uh, Metamorphs, but some other sites did some. Some did a lot. That's true. Uh, But it's like, are you covering this because you feel like it's close enough to MMA? Are you covering it because MMA personalities are involved? Are you covering it just because you think that your readers are into it? And if so, where do you, where do you draw the line there? I mean, when Rampage Jackson does pro wrestling, where he shows up and just does a like eye twitching at Kurt Angle on uh, on a pro wrestling show, do you cover that? I mean, because people are going to click on it. It's going to you know people are going to be into it, and it's an MMA personality doing something I guess sorta ish, uh, like not too far from MMA. So those are tricky questions. But back to the the original question. Um, I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it. I've seen some gifs. I assume it was just boring as all shit. <laughs> just like unbelievably boring. Uh, it sounds like at least the, the... I mean, there's a reason they added the punching part for a reason, right? <laughs> like that, that didn't happen by accident. You know, and I, I like jujitsu. And even I, the only reason I would want to watch jujitsu is to see like if there's anything that I could steal uh, that maybe the dudes I roll with haven't seen yet. Uh, except so, they were all watching it. Except so, they're all sorry. watching it. So yeah, they they probably have some stuff that I haven't seen. Um, but I, you know, I thought too that because I I know some of the guys that I train with have done like submission only tournaments where, uh, but they do it where if it's a tournament where if nobody gets submitted, nobody gets any points for that, and it's just kind of a round robin. You go against everybody, and whoever you know, you get a certain amount of points for a submission, uh, and whoever has the most points at the end wins. I mean, that seems like a really cool way to do it because point fighting. Uh, for jujitsu is bullshit, uh, but uh, I don't know. It seems like the the metamorphosis thing requires people to really be willing to go in there and go after it. Um, because otherwise, if they're just like, "Hey, I, my goal here is to not get submitted," that's not going to be fun for anybody to watch. No, uh, and you know, it's not like we already don't have enough rules for the coming event podcast drinking game because I think we do, but it just dawned on me that we really dropped the ball not having a rule about you talking about your jujitsu experience. Yeah, that's probably like true. That. We should have gone in for that. Well, Ben, the music for this week's podcast comes to us from podcast listener Chris Newman, who has uh, kind of a, a singer-songwriter thing going on for himself. Uh, and if you want to hear more of his music after the comes. show, you Here can go comes. to ReverbNation.com slash Chris Newman Band uh, and, and check it out there. Uh, we'll have that link for you up at the podcast website once this episode goes live. As for right now, though, we are going to go ahead and get started with round number one right now.
Well, in case you forgot, and hell, I guess we wouldn't blame you if you had forgotten, uh, Fabricio Verdum reaffirmed his position as a uh, major player in the UFC's heavyweight division this past weekend when he pretty much ran right over uh, Roddy Nog, despite the fact that Antonio Rodrigo Nogueira gets plus 30 on all of his attributes while fighting in Brazil. Turns out maybe that doesn't work against another Brazilian or something. I don't or know. Or maybe it's still not enough against Fabricio Verdum. <laughs> that knows? could be. That could be. Um I thought he looked pretty damn good, but uh, maybe some holes still in the in the uh, in the game there. Ben, are you buying this guy as a potential threat to whoever emerges from Cain uh, Velasquez Junior Dos Santos three as a legitimate title threat? I gotta say, Fabricio Verdun did not look like a world beater uh, while beating Noguera. I mean, he looked he looked solid. You didn't see any huge glaring holes. He looked a little bit slow uh, at times. His uh, his takedown, I thought, you know, hey, that works on Noguera. I don't see just grabbing Cain Velasquez's leg and, and whipping him down like that. Uh, and, I mean, obviously, big guy with good jiu-jitsu and a, a striking game that's coming along, he can be a problem for a lot of people. But it was tough to tell after that what we really learned about him. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I thought that he looked pretty good. Um uh, clearly, they those two guys went out and worked a pretty tremendous pace for a couple of heavyweights, especially in the first round. Um, and I saw that you know he was catching some flack towards the end of that that round because it looked like he was gassing out a little bit. Um, I'm not going to dog him for that too much because I think those guys did work such a tremendous pace. But at the same time, if you get tired fighting at that pace against uh, Roddy Nog, you're not going to you're not going to make it too very far against either Velasquez or Dos Santos. Those okay. dudes are, especially now that they've seen you do that, they're yeah. going to make that a, 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 you know, part of their game plan. Yeah. To come up Kane there will and, wear you down if you try and do that. Yeah. But uh, also I think it's worth factoring in that it's been like a year since he fought. Sure. Uh, yeah. And, Probably some, some cage rust. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, he was doing the ultimate fighter, uh, which makes me really not understand why he brought up the idea of doing the ultimate fighter again against, you know, Brazil versus Mexico kind of thing. I mean, I get it. It's, it's smart in a way to be able to tell the UFC, Hey, wouldn't you love to, to be able to, pr oh, damn it. Uh, <laughs> you know, the UFC would like that. It's still trying to get into Mexico. That's still a market they want a piece of. Uh, and if you could do Brazil versus Mexico, I'm sure that would do some huge numbers. Uh, but, I, it did feel to me like since, you know, we're not watching the Ultimate Fighter Brazil. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. So then when they do show up, it's kind of like, oh, where is, where, where have these guys been? I, I hear they were doing some kind of reality show. I mean, it could have been Gilligan's Island for all I know. Uh, but not uh, a reality show, by the way. But anyway, what, really? What, what just move on? Oh, well, let's talk about it after I got, the show. Okay. I, on the plus side, they're all alive. <laughs> I have, I have some questions. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I have no interest in, in seeing the this heavyweight title be tied up in some business like that, especially because it seems like now whoever you name as the two coaches for the Ultimate Fighter, you've just decreased the chances that those two people will fight in a timely fashion. Right. Uh, yeah, and now that uh, we've had confirmation, I guess, that Daniel, Daniel Cormier is going to be heading down to 205, it does look like uh, Fabricio Verdum is probably uh, – Got the got the inside track to be the the next contender who challenges the winner of JDS Cain Velasquez three. Although in the heavyweight division, shit man, anything could happen. One of those dudes could get hit by a truck and be in traction for three years, and they'd have to do an interim belt that 
I don't know. Yeah, but I, you know, nothing's guaranteed at two sixty five. I think there are few enough heavyweights. I think that even though you look at it and you could say, well, hey, if Josh Barnett beats Frank Mir, then you know Josh Barnett, Fabricio Verdum would definitely produce a a number one contender. But then at the same time, I think that those are the situations where uh, the UFC looks at it and says, yeah, but why would we want to knock off one contender? Uh, well, especially in that division, shit, right. man, keep them keep them around as long as you can. If yeah, you, if you can cultivate. Uh, as many contenders as you possibly can. I, well, and who I, knows about I Daniel follow Cormier. that logic a little bit, especially yeah. at that division. Daniel Cormier might stick around. It seems like all you have to do is mention his name, put his name in the streets, mention his name in a, in a, a conference call or something, and then he'll he'll get fired up and want to stay at heavyweight to beat you up. Uh, so you, you never know what could end. If Cain Velasquez loses the belt, I'm sure Daniel Cormier might uh, think a little harder about sticking around there rather than having to starve himself to get down to 205. Uh, but... You know, when I look at the UFC on Fuel fight card as a whole, and you look at it and you think, okay, there's the main event, uh, there's the finale of the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, which we've already established that we didn't watch. Right, between two two guys you've never heard of before. One, one of, of which, whom I gather was a replacement? Yeah. The, and he, did he win? He the was dude the winner? who won lost Jesus. in the Jesus semifinal H. round Primate. of the show. Yeah. Uh, and, but then you also had Thiago Silva and, and Feijal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thiago Silva, uh, advocating for a beef between he and Feijal that only Thiago Silva seemed to understand. Yeah, and didn't no one else really un- know knew what it was about? Didn't he say afterward that he wanted Bigfoot at two hundred five? Well, Bigfoot Which is just I mean, Big- hell, you might as well say you want Bigfoot at one fifty five. The chance he's got at getting down to fucking uh, two hundred five. Well, I think the 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 thing that I thought was was interesting too was how. Thiago Silva goes out there with that real, you know, come at me, bro, kind of fighting style. It works out Which for him. Is essentially his style. Yeah. That's what he's good at. Uh, Feijal just loads up and, and swings and tries to take your head off. And then if you're not there, by the time his, his, his punch gets there, he kind of thinks, oh, well, uh, got knocked out, just a brutal knockout, uh, by Thiago Silva. And the first question on everybody's lips is, yeah, but will Thiago Silva pass the drug tests and be able to get his bonus money? Well, that would have been the question about either guy, right? Uh, uh, That's true. And I thought personally, and I, I would have to go back to, to double check to, to watch some old Feijal fights, uh, but I thought Feijal looked a little bit different. Um, I'm sorry, I'm giving it to the hard J in Feijal. Feijal, like Fe- treasure. See, this is from that semester abroad that Sir Nigel right, spent yeah. in, in Rio. Uh, P, received pronunciation, sir. <laughs> anyway. No, there was there was a sir from sir, sir Nigel. I thought that he looked a little bit physically different, like a little bit less. Oh, here uh, we go. Feijao-ish than we've seen from him him in the past. So it could be that you had two dudes in there who uh, who were adversely affected by their previous. No, I see. I'm just gonna trail off there. Deny, <laughs> deny you well, that, that right. Uh, I, the the thing that I wondered is. After, especially with the Verdum Noguera fight, after that, I mean, Noguera managed to to get arm barred without breaking his arm, which is nice. I, I I was glad to see that. But what do you do now with your big nog? I mean, he said beforehand, "Hey, I'm not trying to be rushed. You guys are always asking me about retirement, always trying to rush me out of this, and I'm in no hurry to go. Who knows? I might still have some more fights in me. I mean, he's 37. We've seen him take take and some like 60 in Nogura years. Yeah, we've seen him take take some beatings, even in fights he won. Uh, but that one, not one of them. I mean, he didn't. It's not like 
that makes us concerned for his health. I mean, he can clearly hang around and still beat some guys. Uh, what do you want to see out of Noguera? Well, let's see here. He's three and four since 2008, and his wins are over Randy Couture, uh, which is a nice win, although over a light heavyweight. And then he beat uh, Brendan Schaub and Dave Herman uh, are his two other wins. So, I mean, those aren't bad wins. Knocked out Brendan Schaub and submitted Dave Herman. I'll give you Brendan Schaub. Really? I'm not impressed like with your performance at, at beating Dave Herman at this point. But well, and the no, the the one he lost, the second one he lost to Frank Mir. He looked like he was right on the verge of knocking out Frank Mir. Right? Yeah. And, no, you're right. And about went for that. submission instead. Yeah. That's a yeah no from Chad, by the way. Oh, nice catch, Sir Nigel. We knew that Thank was going to happen at some point. Uh, he, you know, Nogira. I'm I'm not going to sit here and and try to make the argument that I think that his skills have deteriorated to the point where I feel like it's dangerous for him to be in there. But at the same time, like, what else do you have to do if you're Nogueira? You're already certainly in the top five of of greatest heavyweights of all time. And some people would say you're probably number two. Uh, so well, you could argue if that's your concern is the top being in the top five in people's memories, you harm that the longer you stay around. Yeah, and that's all you would do too, because I don't think you're gonna. You know, you're, if you're in Big Nog, you're not suddenly going to put together a, a, a dream run to the title at this point, right? You're just – the longer you stick around, you, you're, you're either doing it to make yourself some money or because you can't walk away because, as Scott Hall says, once you hear the 20,000 people screaming your name and that goes away, what then, man? What then? What then indeed? And I feel like that would be a pretty sad outcome for one of the guys who's been one of the best heavyweights of all time. So Sad but not uncommon. No. <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely common. Yeah. You know, the other thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap up this round on, on the UFC on Fuel event is, uh, Brazilians just be kicking people's motherfucking ass up in Brazil. They do. And this one was, was a crazy event where like 10,000 of the fights uh, ended in submissions. Uh, and that led to some talk on the internets about how, oh, these cards that look bad on paper always deliver. Which, of course, is the number one worst metric to ever... Chad did a voice that was on his own there. Yeah, uh, true. It did sound like him, though. <laughs> the shit. worst metric to ever judge a, a fight card by... And it's fine. Like, the fights were good. And we, and we should say that. That's just being honest to say, hey, man, these were good fights. At the same time, you don't want to provide this out for the UFC, which they totally use, by the way, of saying, well, you know, these cards that don't look good on paper, they always come out and, and they deliver. They deliver. <laughs> yeah. that's. I mean, you look at it on paper and you don't think that this, you know, brain-damaged chimpanzee is going to be able to put up much of a fight against Alistair Overeem, but then it turns out kind of okay, so therefore it justifies all our matchmaking. And besides, Alistair Overeem popped positive afterwards. It just doesn't matter. I'm just going to go and ring the bell just because I'm not sure what happened there. It seemed like a TRT, testosterone, marijuana, or PEDs reference. Okay. Uh, I heard a lot of people, though, talking about the, hey, maybe it was uh, matchmaking that gave the Brazilians an edge, uh, that maybe when they bring certain uh, American or other foreign fighters down there, they kind of skew in favor of the Brazilians because it gets the Brazilian crowd fired up to see Brazilians win. I, regardless of what it is at this point, it seems consistent enough that, man, if I am some dude from Illinois and the UFC calls up and is like, we want you to fight in Sao Paulo in three months, I'm going to be like, you know, I, I'm going through a tunnel, Joe Silva. Sorry, my phone's going <laughs> to cut out here. I have a uh, thing what, that day. What? Yeah, I have a thing. I'm busy. All right. Well, uh, that's probably 
way more than this fight card deserved to even be talked about in the first place. So wow. uh, let's go ahead and, and at this point, we've got Sir Nigel here. Before we get too drunk, uh, let's segue into uh, Master Tweet Theater, where all of the people better hope that we don't get any of these goddamn questions right. Okay. That starts right now. Very good, sir. Well, it's that time again, everybody's favorite segment on the show, where we have our friend Sir Nigel, noted theatricalist Sir Nigel Longstock, come in and read us off some tweets from people in the MMA community. Chad and I will try and guess who the tweeter in question is, uh, and probably there'll be a lot of bell ringing and beer swigging, and it, it just won't go well for anyone. I feel like we're on Steve Austin's podcast. Oh, you wish. There would be no there no sleeves on our t-shirts right now if we were on Steve Austin's podcast. That's I can true. guarantee That's you that. True. All right, Sir Nigel, uh, whenever you're ready, go ahead and hit us. <clears throat> Very good, sir. That's, oh. a, that's a bell. Fell asleep for a moment. <clears throat> Tweet the first. The only reason guys think anal porn is quote-unquote sexy is because we watch it on television and not on smell-a-vision. There's also a hashtag, but I'm leaving it out because it would reveal the name of the tweeter. Okay. Huh. Somebody who uses hashtags. I got this narrowed down to two people. Okay. All right. I'm almost scared to guess because I'm afraid I'm going to be right. (laughs) I'm going to say... Eve Edwards... Interesting. I feel like that's a little bit of an out of the box guess. I'm gonna just. Well, he does the hashtag like Thugjitsu thoughts or something. Oh, like that. all right. Yeah. Well, you really clued into the to the to the hint there, didn't you? Um, I'm I'm just gonna keep it. I'm gonna stay close to home and go big, sexy Sean McCorkle here. That's always a good guess with something like this. As soon as anal sex is mentioned, good guess. Both fine guesses. One far more damaging oh, to oh, all no. of our livers oh, than no. the other. It is Eve's Edwards. Oh, damn it. And that, Chad was wrong. <laughs> that, frankly, oh. seems like the fix was in. Oh, man. Well, so, so now we had to finish our drinks, then open a new one, and then drink from that because Chad was wrong? Or you can have one drink and then finish your drinks. Like the IRS. Oh, I'm going to do that one. God, why did we have to get such heavy beers? Why couldn't we get anything light and crisp and summery? It's all like IPAs and stouts and stuff. Oh, God. Uh, I will say... This General Sherman IPA that I'm drinking uh, from Tioga Sequoia Brewing Company is delightful. Hey, I, I just mean, didn't want to chug the rest of it all at once. Yeah, this this malt beverage aged on Palo Santo wood that I'm drinking. Oh, is, Jesus, you're drinking a dogfish? It's 12% get, alcohol. You're going to get fucked up, dude. <laughs> We're all well, going to get fucked up now, <laughs> sir. And uh, I'm, one second, I, I got to ride my bike home in the heat, and I live on top of a goddamn hill. Fuck it, I don't even care anymore. All right, let's go on. Let's go on to uh, Tweet of the Second. <clears throat> tweet the Second. Well, Saskatoon, it was brief but enjoyable. Perhaps I'll see you again one day. Saskatoon? Saskatoon. Who would be in Saskatoon? I, I got it. No I one. <laughs> Oh. I think I know, but I hope I don't know. 
Ah, um, it can't possibly be Ariane Celeste, so I'll say her. Oh, wow, that's a good strategy. Uh, this guy made an appearance a couple weeks ago, Master Tweet Theater. I know he's from Michigan, Dan the Beast Severn. It is neither of those oh, people. Oh, God, thank God. Very God. close, though. It is, in fact, Dan Hardy. Oh, so. oh woo, man. Ding for Ben and ding for Chad, while Sir Nigel simply enjoys himself without enhancement. <clears throat> Tweet the third. Watching I'm Alan Partridge. Great show. What? What are you doing? Wait, okay, the last few Master Suite Theaters have had a theme. Does this one have a theme? Yes, sir, it does. <laughs> are you going to tell us what it is? The theme is what you do on your day off. You, you weren't going to mention that until no, the end? No, I completely forgot because I've been <laughs> drinking. Okay, so read this tweet again. <clears throat> Watching I'm Alan Partridge. Great show. I don't know what that show is. What I don't is know either. Show? No one knows who that show is. It's why it's on Master Tweet Theater. <sighs> Sir? <laughs> I guess I'm going to say Sean McCorkle. That sounds like a Sean McCorkle. Yeah, that was, that's, that's a pretty good guess. I'm going to go uh, Matt Mitrione. Both. I don't think he tweeted that. <laughs> <laughs> both fine guesses. Both fortunately wrong. It is Michael Bisping. Oh. So wrong for Ben and wrong for Chad. And go ahead and preemptively ding. I'm watching Alan Partridge. <laughs> Great show. God, it's just amazing how it terrible that is. doesn't sound human at no, this point. No, no, it doesn't. Show. What's going to happen to Alan Partridge this week? Mm. Are you ill? <laughs> Extremely so. You know, if we if we wanted to, we probably could have narrowed that down and, and come closer. Alan Partridge show, maybe not from the U.S. Foreign fighter sounds British. Uh, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, isn't it, well, Chad? I'm just saying, I'm glad we didn't think of it like that. We might have got it right. <laughs> yeah. And knowing how much Sir Nigel would just be looking for any excuse to do his terrible Michael Bisping impression. I am in fact enjoying myself. Tweet the fourth. Little weight cut at home. My daughter in the grind with me. Ha 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 ha. She is too cute. And then there's a photo of a child in a sauna. Too cute? She is, I assume that she is too cute, but according to the tweeter in question, she is too cute. Wait, read it, read it again from the start. Little weight cut at home. My daughter in the grind with me. Ha 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 ha. She is too cute. And then a photo of a child in a sauna, as I mentioned. Someone forcing their children to do a weight cut with them. I fear, I fear that I might know this one. <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to throw the, the whole master tweet theater thing. I feel like that would be dishonest. So I just got to go ahead and say who I think it might be and accept whatever consequences come with that. Uh, as I said on Twitter to somebody, I think that this, the theme, our theme of this whole drinking contest, competition, whatever, uh, podcast is making choices slash living with them. So I'm going to do it. I think that might be Jason High. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to go Miguel Torres. He has kids, right? Yeah. Tweets sure. about him. Sure. Sure he does. Both fine guesses. Here's a tip. Don't make a big deal of how right you are unless you are sure you are right. It's Anthony Pettis. Oh, thank you. Anthony Pettis. So one for Ben and one for Chad. I'll take the two drinks, how, frankly. How old... Do, Judging by the picture, how old do you think Anthony Pez's daughter is? I'm going to say she is between four and six years old. Get sir. that kid out of the sauna. I know. Right Anthony now. Pettis is wearing a garbage bag. She just looks sad. <laughs> mm. Tweet the fifth. A gladiator must only care that his spirit is never broken. 
The theme again is day off. The theme is what you do on your day off, and this person has a lot of days off ahead of him. You know who it is. There's only one person it could be, which I feel like is bullshit. (laughs) Say it then. Say it, man. It's got to be the poet Philip Baroni. It does have to be. It's got to be. It does have to be. Which is another drink. It is the poet Philip Baroni in a correct answer for both of you. Ah. Also, his ankle is very badly broken, which is also something a gladiator should probably worry about. <laughs> oh, man. This is, this is maybe a bad idea. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah, no, this was a bad idea. Let's, let's wrap this up. We'll finish these beers, <laughs> and then we'll go on to round two. Only mm. round two. <laughs> <laughs> I, might not, I might not make it home today. Uh, can I crash here? Yeah, man. Okay, okay. We got that couch with your name on it. Awesome. Aren't you going to ask what I'm doing next week? Are we done already? Well, I had a joke set up, but no, it's over. Wait, that was Tweet the Fifth, right? Was it? Yes. You've been drinking, sir. <laughs> All right, Sir Nigel, what do, what do you have going on well, that we need to hear Well, it's funny about? you should ask. <laughs> I've, in fact, signed on as a sort of officiant at a, a talent competition for developmentally disabled adults. You see, what they've done Just, is... I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. Okay, no, go on. Well, thank you. What they've done is they have created an entire sort of system for judging the competition based on their own personal mannerisms. And my job is... Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what I'm doing today. <laughs> oh, oh, I see that. I see what you did there. That's... Zing! Oh, God, I hate you. Well, that was Sir Nigel Longstock, who will be punched in the throat later. And that was Master Tweet Theater. Thank you, sir. Wheels keep turning I couldn't stop them now Or even if I tried She turned to me Let's drive Let's drive If we had things your way We'd be walking all the time Well, Chad, I think we're about halfway through the podcast now. So first of all, before we get into round two, this is a sup check for everybody out there. Sup. How yeah, you doing? I moved on from my uh, uh, General Sherman IPA, which I had to chug at the end of Master Tweet Theater because you are an asshole. Uh, and now I have an Abita Giacomo IPA, which tastes super. Do you think it, just because you I cannot have pronounced that. <laughs> okay. There's no way. Uh, which is tastes super weird after drinking that uh, the one I had before. I got it. I mean, you're the one who ordered this internet beer with the the gift certificate sent to us graciously so by Claire right. podcast listener That's Claire true. Hammond. That's true. Uh, did you maybe not think to include like something in there, just like Bud Light? I should have got some maybe Bud a, Light. Maybe something crisp and light. A 24 pack of Bud Light. Maybe some Bud Light Platinum. Well, I didn't hear. Well, I didn't probably look close enough <laughs> at the uh, at the actual beers that I ordered. I just got us a couple of sampler packs, and they were both like craft beer, best of America, or whatever. Uh, and uh, and so when they came, and I put them in the refrigerator this morning, I realized that they were almost all IPAs and Imperial Stouts. So, and that, and when I ordered them, we, we hadn't even come up with the idea of the drinking game. Yeah. So I can't be blamed for that. No. Hopefully the people who are listening to this are playing with something much lighter with less alcohol content, a a Bud Light or a, uh, a Coors. 
Hopefully yeah. everyone's playing with coors out there. And hopefully they're in like a safe, secure location where they don't have to travel or operate heavy machinery because it's not going to go well. All right, anyway, on to round number two. And this one, kind of a grab bag of, of different topics. We're talking here. It is, but I feel like there's one topic that we could probably do a whole show on. <laughs> well, we'll see here. But as many of you may have noticed in the MMA news, a lot of former UFC fighters are now signing deals elsewhere. And it's a weird thing about some former UFC fighters. Once they sign deals elsewhere, they don't seem so kindly toward their former employers at the UFC. Have you noticed this, Chad? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've noticed it. We we talked about it when John Cholish retired and 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 came out of the box with with his true feelings. Yeah, which, little shot at fighter pay on the way out the door, which I felt was awesome. Uh, and and I I mean, I guess it's 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 only natural, right? When once you are no longer living in fear of your employer, you will tell the truth about how you felt about them. Yeah, but see, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? Oh. Well, I didn't say exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, If you were really treated well by your employer, then I guess ideally, once that relationship was over, you wouldn't have anything super negative to say, right? I mean, I've had employers before. I I mean, granted, I've never been fired from any job uh, yet. Uh, It's kind of a miracle. But every time I've left a job, I've felt like you know, if we had a good relationship. Once I've left, you know, I'm not really in the mood to trash that person, that employer. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh... Oh, wow. Damn it. Yes, he polices himself. <laughs> uh, what was the question? Well, we should mention here, too, we're talking about John Fitch and Rampage specifically. Let's focus on those two for a second. Uh, and Jacob Volkman, I guess, he gets filed under John Fitch, parentheses, B, uh, Ouch, John Fitch Light? Yeah, well, okay, fine. They both work for World Series of Fighting, John Fitch and and Jacob Volkman do. Rampage, of course, signed his deal with Bellator. All of them turned right around and took some shots at the UFC. uh, And you knew Dana White was just going to go all scorched earth on them after they did that. Uh, There's just no no chance that he's going to let that stuff slide. Uh, And so we have these, first of all, before we get too deep into that, let's talk a little bit about Rampage's signing with Bellator, which previously told us didn't want to just be the, the company picking up UFC cast-offs or being a UFC feeder league. And yet, it seems like lately we've heard about a lot of these kind of signings. Rampage seems like a curious one to me. Yeah, we talked about this last week, you and I uh, personally, because we have the the thing with the podcast where as soon as we recorded and put it out to the people, some news breaks. Yeah, and so right now everybody's sitting around going, like, why didn't they talk about Fedor's death in that fiery plane crash? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, damn it. That's not your real voice, sir. <laughs> and it happened to us uh, last week a little bit because we recorded the podcast and then put it out. And then the, this this uh, really over-the-top press release from Bellator came out uh, talking about how it had signed Rampage Jackson to uh, what I believe it referred to as a landmark partnership. And then, you know, I saw you a couple of days later and we were talking about how once again this had happened only after we had released the podcast and I said to you, I'm kind of glad that this happened after we released the podcast because if it had happened like right before we had recorded, I would have had to lose my goddamn mind on the show. Yeah, we wouldn't talk about anything else. My head might have exploded because I cannot fucking believe (laughs) that Bellator would do this. It seems like 
if you were going to pick one guy in MMA who would be the worst person to sign a quote-unquote landmark partnership with, that person might be Rampage Jackson at this point. Yeah. And I have no idea what Bellator could have seen over the last, I don't know, six years or whatever that would lead it to deduce that, oh, this is the guy we need. Yeah. Well, oh, God, not now you're that's just... That's a rigid was, application. You've just spent 30 seconds arguing against that very assertion, then you make it, by definition, not your voice. All right. I feel like you're... Being kind of a kind of a jerk about it. Yeah, kind of an asshole. With power. <laughs> well, okay, I agree with you because especially watching Rampage Jackson's career arc, you know he's going to turn around and get mad at you. You know that's going to happen. That is, that, it's just a matter of when it happens. Does it happen in six weeks? Does it happen in two years? Does it happen when he's at the end of his contract? Eventually, he's going to decide that he's not getting enough respect, and he's going to turn around and say a bunch of crazy shit to you, right? And it, it's like, what's the best case scenario that happens with Rampage Jackson? What he comes in and becomes your light heavyweight champ, or even your heavyweight champ? Talks or about is that? that the worst case? Yeah, scenario? exactly. Like, I don't see what you're hoping will happen from this uh, that will be good for you if you're Bellator. And what, like that he's going to be this huge crossover star in pro wrestling? Well, then how much time will that leave him to actually train for and do MMA fights? I mean, we know he's not exactly a gym monkey to begin with. He doesn't really like training. Uh, so you got to have somebody on his back making him train and making him really focus up for these fights. Uh, and when you set all these distractions out there in front of him, like, oh, we'll get you a movie deal and we'll get you pro wrestling, all this other stuff, like you're begging him to not take the fighting part of it seriously. Two things. First thing, you know that I like professional wrestling and I you know this. that I like mixed martial arts. And as a dude who likes both of those, I feel like this idea that I want MMA fighters to be in professional wrestling and, frankly, vice versa, to be completely erroneous. I feel like I like steak and I like ice cream, but I don't want to take a bloody medium rare steak and drop it into a pint of vanilla ice, ice cream and, and eat it. I'd give it a shot first, maybe. It, it blows my mind. I feel like... There's this assumption that MMA dudes are going to be really awesome at professional wrestling and that, that they're going to bring some like legitimacy to the sport and people are going to, uh, embrace them there. And the first thing I thought when we heard that Rampage Jackson was going to be appearing on, on, on Impact Wrestling or TNA as it is mostly called, uh, was Jesus Christ, that's going to be a fucking disaster because that's not a thing he's ever done before. And it, it, it's not a thing that I feel like his skills really prepare him for well same thing though with acting like i mean and this is the thing i think that people make the same mistake like a lot of athletes especially mma fighters like oh hey i could be in a movie why couldn't i be in a movie i could do that uh and you know we saw rampage in the a-team which was a terrible movie to begin with and i would say his acting was serviceable at best but it's insulting to the people who actually dedicate themselves to that craft that you him <laughs> Uh, it is insulting to the real people who actually dedicate themselves to that craft that you, where you think like, well, hey, I've, I've got a day or two to kill here uh, in Orlando. I'll just swing on by and do some professional wrestling. Like, no, I mean, those things are difficult and they take some talent and skill and, and time. For and we know one person that's not going to try really hard to be good at them. And that's Rampage Jackson, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, 
and it seems like in general, Bellator has maybe just abandoned that whole idea that, hey, we're not going to be the company that picks up UFC guys after they're done. And one part of me says, like, well, that didn't take long for you to reverse your position. But another part of me thinks maybe that was just unreasonable to begin with. Maybe because the UFC gets so much up and coming talent through Ultimate Fighter or just, and everybody wants, if you fight in MMA, you want to be in the UFC. That's still the way it is. So maybe it's just not feasible for Bellator to adopt that position in the first place. Maybe that was the mistake and not necessarily signing guys out at the UFC, except for Rampage. That's obviously a mistake. Right. And that leads me into my second thing. And my number two thing was, if I'm World Series of Fighting right now, I'm going to take you the next- You are shitting your pants because gonna, you don't know how you're going to pay for the, the third quarter operations. The next couple years, I'm going to take that time and make sure that I have all my financials together. Make sure that my budgeting is as tight as possible because when Bellator fails, because they signed this ridiculous deal with Rampage Jackson, which can't be cheap. They got to be paying him a ton of money, right? Who knows? I mean, it could be that Rampage shopped around after his UFC exit and realized that the market out there for him was not quite so hot as he imagined. That's very possible. Even if that's true, this move by Bellator makes you think, well, fuck. If if Good they work. if they think right, right now Rampage Jackson is the dude they need to sign, this company ain't making it. If I'm World Series of Fighting, I'm making sure that my budget is Trump tight. So when Bellator fails, boom, I'm right there to you, jump in. You're what? You're and making sure your budget is what? Trump tight. Not an expression, sir. No, I've heard I've heard Snoop Dogg use it. <laughs> oh. Well then, I we stand corrected. Yeah, I guess. no one drink. I take back that drink. <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Do, you know what? Let's do. Are you fucking kidding me? And then uh, we'll go on to round two. And in between that, I will look up on the internet and find out if Trump tight is an expression. Okay. Um, my are you fucking kidding me? Goes out to Fuel TV. And I guess jointly the UFC. Uh, as anyone who watched the broadcast live on Saturday night knows, uh, first, you know, you got to watch the prelims stream online. And then the Fuel TV broadcast started where there were a bunch of pretty quick finishes. And then we watched almost every single prelim again on Fuel TV, which, hey, I'm all for showing as many fights as possible. Let's get those guys exposure. Let's show fight fans the, what they came to see. And that's fights. But, between that, the commercial breaks, the the shilling for future UFC stuff, we ended up not starting the main event of UFC on Fuel TV 10 until pretty much exactly when the broadcast was scheduled to end, at least according to the guide on my TV. So that I set my DVR, if I had not been home to actually sit there and watch it, uh, I would have come home turned on the event, watched through the entire thing, and then the DVR recording of it would have ended at exactly this time when the guys were making their way to the cage for the main event. Now, it's one thing if all the fights run long and you can't really plan for it, it is live sports, but when you just pack it with other fights, prelims, stuff you didn't have to show, and you don't get the timing down well enough to get the main event in there in time for the DVR people who actually might have a life that they get to go out on Saturday night and watch stuff. You can't even get that stuff in there. You fucking kidding me? You do this all the time, right? You, you show live sports all the time. That's your thing now, right? You fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Well, Ben, this week I would be remiss, frankly, if my are you fucking kidding me did not go out to Brian Bowles for failing his UFC 160 drug test. 
Uh, I don't oh, know if you. This is going to be a rough one. I can already tell. <laughs> I don't know if you heard about this, but Brian Bowles came back with a twenty to one TE ratio. I did. I did hear that. As a matter of fact. Now you remember when Alistair Overeem tested positive for elevated levels of testosterone way back when? Alistair Overeem came in at almost seventeen to one. Less than Brian Bowles was jacked up on testosterone. So not only does Brian Bowles at this point forfeit his previous capital as the quiet, unassuming Southern gentleman of mixed martial arts. That's out the, the opie, window. The opie of MMA, if you will. At this point, it also seems like maybe he's suicidal and he's trying to OD on pure testosterone. <laughs> to which I have to say, 20 to 1? Are you fucking kidding me, Brian Bowles? Fucking kidding me, Brian Bowles? Are you fucking kidding me? Fucking kidding me? All right, well, that's going to do it for round number two. We will be right back with round number three. Well, Ben... UFC 161 is this weekend from the PEG, Winnipeg, Manitoba, the first UFC event in that Canadian province. I'm going to be in the house. Let alone that city, and I know you're going to be up, there. Up in the PEG. I know you're excited about going to the PEG because your hotel is going to have a water slide. Water in, slide, what? An indoor water slide, which you and Matt Erickson, I assume, will go down in tandem. Hand in hand. Like, maybe you'll sit on his lap or he'll sit on your lap and you'll just... Honestly, in all seriousness, as soon as I saw that our hotel had a water slide, I I made a mental note to pack a pair of shorts. There's no way I'm not going down that water slide. No way. Well, you're absolutely going down in. It's just a question of how late the water slide stays open. Well, and this is not a bad little card either. You've got the, uh, as you I might say. I feel like that should almost be a little ding. I don't, even though it's not an official rule. But <laughs> really? I, talking I, about water slides? The, the, no, the, the bad little. Uh, anyway. But seriously, if you're in, if you're in Winnipeg and you want to go down a water slide... Come see me. Like James Tony would say, come see me. You think you can get him a wristband or whatever it takes to get in into the uh, the water park? It's Canada, man. They're they're permissive with that shit. Oh, true, true. Uh the main event here is Rashad Evans versus Dan Henderson, but you've also got uh, some known names on the card and 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 some fights that if nothing else are going to be fun, you know, Roy Nelson versus Stepe Miocic. Fun little Mio- fight. Miosic. 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 Did you preemptively ring that for me <laughs> mispronouncing Stipe Miosic? I heard, I heard the second syllable in Stipe, and I knew what was coming down the pike. Well, how would you say it? Well, pipe? Come in the pipe? Pike. Comes down the pike. Both those are correct. Let's just move the on. Pike is like a sharp turn, say a, a water slide or whatever. <laughs> uh, Miochik, I believe. Miochik. Anyway. Which that's going to be fun, you know, regardless <laughs> regardless of what Sir Nigel has to say about it. Uh, you know, a fight like Pat Berry against Sean Jordan, that's that's so, also going to be fun, even if it's not the most relevant thing in the world. Yeah, but I mean, that's one of those fights where somebody is waking up on their back. You know that. And it's probably not going to take more than one round for that to happen. Also, you got uh, Rosie Sexton and Alexis Davis. Yes. That should be a good fight. Ryan Jimmo against Igor Pokrajak. Boom! In your face! I nailed it! <laughs> Did I not nail it? Pokrajak, sir. Pokrajak, sir. <laughs> well, You're just oh, being a dick. Okay, here's something about the Rashad Evans-Dan Henderson fight, uh, which... I feel like we've all kind of come to this unspoken agreement that if Dan Henderson wins, it's basically a number one contender win for him. If Rashad Evans wins, eh, probably not. 
You know, uh, we've already seen him against John Jones. But I thought it was interesting. I talked to Rashad Evans. Damn it, I'm mentioning somebody I've interviewed. Uh, got something coming out in USA Today on Tuesday uh, about it. But I thought this was very interesting. Rashad Evans talked about uh, what happened in his last fight against uh, uh, Roger Nog. Is that is that how you refer to Little Nog? Yeah, Roger Nog. Roger Nog. That's not okay. how I refer to him. That's his name. <laughs> okay, it's not his name. Uh, but, you know, obviously that was a boring fight. And as Rashad himself uh, mentioned, nothing really happened in that fight. And he was saying that he thought one of the reasons why maybe he wasn't able to really just get after it and go in there and, and take it to Roger Nog uh, was that after so many years of people calling him cocky and, and calling him a showboat, he tried to kind of rein that in uh, and be just more strict competition focused. And he also felt like if he's going to be the dude uh, who goes in there and fights in a cage for a living, he's got to be a little cocky in order to be able to, to be the guy who puts an ass whipping on you. Your thoughts, Chad Dunnis? That seems like bullshit. Really? I thought it was kind of a, a an interesting insight into his think? psychology. No, but isn't he a, a guy that people call boring all the time because he goes out there with his takedowns and takes people down and controls them, wins a decision? I mean, it depends on the fight. I mean, he's one of those guys where people will level that accusation against him, but... I think it that, depends on the fight. I that mean, that seems like a guy okay, who's well, looking you, for answers. Well, they're all point. looking for answers. But I mean, if you look at the fight, for instance, the one with Forrest Griffin, where he took the belt from him, where he's you know grabbing his nuts and blowing him a kiss and then knocking him out, you can't really call him boring in that one. Or the one with Tito Ortiz, where he is just wrecking him uh, as if uh, you know Tito Ortiz came to his house and, and stole a beloved Afghan or something, uh, which seems like exactly the kind of thing Tito Ortiz would do. What? <laughs> What you? Somebody comes into your house, takes an Afghan. You come home. Not man, just an Afghan, but a beloved Afghan. Where was that Afghan that was draped over the couch? I was gonna cuddle up in that, and I, and I was gonna watch Game of Thrones. It's gone now. Ruined my whole evening. I'm gonna kick that motherfucker's ass. That's that's a, a reasonable position. This was a terrible idea from the start. This is something we will never do again, right? Anyway, uh, I feel like there might be something to that because I feel like Rashad Evans is one of those guys where people decided they were against him before they decided on a reason for being against him. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I and would I totally think, agree with you on that. I mean, I know you've talked to him before. I've talked to him. He's one of the most reasonable, most interesting dudes yes. out there. Yes. Smart too. Like, yeah. He doesn't get a lot of credit for it, but yeah. when you talk to him, he's one of the one of the smarter fighters that that you will interview. The the guy who is actually willing when you ask him a question, he is actually you can tell taking a second to think about that question rather than just giving you a rote answer. Uh, and I feel like he's one of the guys most unfairly maligned by MMA fans who yes. are just like, fuck this guy. Absolutely. Basically. Of course. Uh, and so when he offered that explanation, I thought maybe, cause how do you not, when people are booing you and when no matter what you seem to do, uh, people are against you, how do you not at some point try and look in and think, what do I do to fix that? And it's totally believable to me that a guy could, whether he knows he's doing it or not, worry so much about fixing that, that he does something that also harms his in-fight performance. Yeah, maybe you've got, maybe you've got a point that that, that is a thing that Rashad Evans would have actually thought and, and would have been a, a strategy that he thought he could employ in the fight. But at the same time, like if you're in that guy's camp and he, he breathes a word to you like, hey, man, you know what I think my problem's been? Too exciting. Uh, I'm going to go out here this time and really trying to rein it in. 
Wouldn't you be like, no, don't do that. That sounds like a terrible idea. I don't know. It depends. It depends how you phrase it, really, because if you're if the guy comes to you and says like, especially if he comes to you after that Machida loss, right, where he was trying to talk shit to Machida while Machida was punching him in the face and, you know, and ended up in that epic knockout face uh, that we're all quite familiar with at this point. If he comes to you after that and is like, you know what? It is possible. Really? Not your voice. If he comes to you and he's like... But my, my voice, my, my, my inflection is unchanged, I feel. True. Uh, if he comes to you after that, and to paraphrase what he might have said, uh, says something along the lines of, hey, I feel like maybe that one was me getting a little too carried away with the cocky, I'm going to whip your ass kind of attitude, uh, and we saw what happened there, then you would tell him, uh, you know, in his next fight against Tiago Silva, yeah, man, hey. Go out there. You're a better wrestler than he is. Grind him out. That's how you're going to win that and climb back up to the title. And so I can see how he might be pulled in a few different directions there. And then on the flip side, you got Dan Henderson, who can't seem to be bothered with any of that stuff, even though he's a good wrestler. He's just going to go out there, stand there, set his feet, and and throw that H-bomb and hope for the best. Yeah, and it's a fight, I think, with pretty high stakes for both guys. You you know, you're looking at guys who – both uh, were at one time or have aspirations to continue to be top contenders in the division. And whoever loses this fight probably ain't going to be that anymore. Uh, and for Henderson is a guy who, who seems like is a guy that fans have wanted for a really long time to go out and, and fight John Jones. And so, and this seems like his last chance to go out there and, and put himself even in the position to be able to do that. So it's a fight where both guys, I would think, ought to come in pretty fired up and ready to go out there with something to prove. Um, and in that extent, eh, I'm a little bit excited about it. I think yeah. it's going to be a good fight. Well, and especially I think if you think that Rashad Evans knows that that his fight against Roger Nog was a boring fight, and he knows that, and Dan Henderson's got to know that his fight against Louis Machida, also a boring fight, I think when you get two guys who are coming there thinking – all right, the my first priority here is to make sure that this is not some some boring main event. Uh, I feel like that's that's a recipe for something good, or yeah, no, maybe totally awful. Who yeah. knows? I just said yeah, no. By the way, oh, twice sorry. now, twice now. Um, all right, well, let's do just saying stuff, and then we'll get out of here mercifully, mercifully, mercifully. I'm get not out of here. I'm staying here. Oh, you're gonna stay? Yeah. All right. Well, we can we'll put the TV on maybe. Yeah. Figure out something to do. Maybe there's a baseball game off. I'll take my shirt off and it'd be great. All right. Well, let's do just saying stuff. Ben, what is your just saying stuff for this week? I'm just saying after what was by all accounts, a, a pretty dismal, uninteresting performance at Meta Morris, Brendan Schaub showed up to the post jujitsu press conference. I can't say post fight because it's not strictly a fight. Post bout. Would it still be a post match? Post match. There you go. Post match press conference. I met Morris and explained that his strategy against Cyborg Abreu was to quote, shut him down, shut down uh, Cyborg Abreu's jujitsu game. Uh, not necessarily to launch his own jujitsu game. Now, I'm just saying that if you are in a submission-only jujitsu event and your goal is to merely shut down the other guy's offense, maybe you should just stay home. Really? Wow. Just saying. That's a harsh indictment. Maybe you should just stay home. 
This week, Ben, I'm just saying that there was a lot of hype about Chael Sonnen supposedly admitting that he knew that Dan Henderson was injured prior to the cancellation of UFC 151 and that he and Hendo, quote unquote, set up John Jones on eight days notice. Of course. Of course they did. And at this point, obviously, we have no idea if it's true. In fact, it's probably not true because it's something that Chael Sonnen said. Uh, but you know what? I hope that it is true because that would finally give us yet another reason, yet more conclusive proof that we can all just sort of stop blaming John Jones for the cancellation of UFC 151. Fucking sport killer. Just in case you needed more reasons besides, I don't know, he wasn't the guy who got hurt and waited until like a week before the event to tell his promoter or... Or the guy who canceled the show to begin with. Or that he didn't... He didn't book a pay-per-view so weak that it couldn't survive without his participation on the card. Um, so, you know what? If, if what Chael Sonnen is saying is true, it turns out, I don't know, maybe Chael Sonnen and Dan Henderson are to blame for the cancellation of UFC 151. Boom. Just saying. Just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, uh, that is going to do it for this week's co-main event podcast. We will never, ever have another drinking game episode again, I guess. I'm, I'm guessing. Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, we will be back next week in a much more sober capacity to discuss the goings-on from UFC 151. As for right now, we are done. We are through. We're out. Fuck this. Fuck this. This is such a fucking terrible idea. This was a bad idea. I'm taking my shirt off right now. Do you have anything in the freezer? Oh, man, there might be some fish things.